Well, good morning, or whatever time of day it is when you're watching this uh, at home. Uh, we are in a new year, 2022. Did you ever think we would get here? 2022, it's a new year, but at least it's not 2021. This is going to be a better year, amen? Our text this morning is from Exodus chapter 4. So if you brought a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn there to chapter 4 and We'll work our way through this uh, together. This being a new year, <clears throat> in January we are looking at uh, a series that we're calling New Beginnings, where we're looking at people in the Bible that had a new beginning. And we're looking basically for ourselves. It's not a history lesson. We're expecting God to speak to us about what we can learn about a f- fresh start, new beginning. Uh, and today we're going to look at A character that I have actually never in all my years of ministry preached on before. It's a guy by the name of Aaron. Aaron in the Old Testament. uh, Because he really is a behind-the-scenes guy. Kind of like I would rather be a behind-the-scenes guy. Many of you want to be behind-the-scenes men and women. You don't want to be up front. You want to be behind-the-scenes. Aaron was one of those guys. Um... The story starts out, I'm going to try to summarize this in an introduction. The story starts out, Moses had uh, escaped the bondage he was in back in Egypt. He fled across the wilderness, didn't know where he was going, got to the land of Midian. There he encountered this farmer uh, who had a uh, flocks of sheep, and he got a job working for him. Turns out this same guy had a beautiful daughter named Keturah. He ended up marrying her, having children. Uh, Forty years later, he's out there in the land of Midian, and he looks up on this mountain, and he sees this bush burning. Kind of unusual, but not too unusual, except he, he watches, and he looks up again, and it's still burning. That bush should have burned up a long time ago. It's still burning. What's fueling this thing? So he goes up on the mountain to see what is causing this thing to keep burning. And when he gets up there, he discovers God is up there in the bush. God has energized and the fire of God is consuming that bush. It just keeps burning and begins talking to him. Burning bush, talking to him. And he says, I'm God. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground now. So they have this conversation. It's really a conversation. God's not just talking to him. There's a dialogue going on back and forth. God says, this is what I want you to do. And Moses says, oh, you got the wrong guy. Not me. He says, I want you to go back and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I can't do that. I'm not good speaking. And he comes up with excuse after excuse after excuse arguing with God. Now, I'm still in my introduction, but we pick up the story in verse, verses 13 and 14. It says, But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. 
He's already on his way. I've already arranged for this. I knew you were going to argue with me. I knew you would would come up with excuse after excuse. I've already put a backup plan in place. He's already on the road coming to you. Interesting. That's, That's the introduction to the story. I had to check my notes, but I want to go on with the story because I want to get into what I really want to read about. It's down in verse 27. So if you have your Bible in front of you, you can follow this story. Verse 27. The Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness and meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say, and also about all the signs he had commanded him to perform. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites. And Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people. And they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. You see the the partnership there between Moses and Aaron? I want to, out of that portion of Scripture, verses 27 through 31, I want us to see seven practical lessons that we can apply to our life if we also want to be an Aaron and step up and be a helper to the plan of God. Here's the first one. It's in verse 27. It says, The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness and meet Moses. Here's the first point if you want to take notes and write this down. Divine appointments are in the wilderness. I want you to go into the wilderness. Oh no, God, I want you to lead me home. (laughs) Take me to the safe place. You know, we're Americans. We spend a fortune on insurance because we value peace and safety. We want security. We don't want to take risks. We want all the risks removed. But the fact of the matter is, in this life, there's a lot of risks. Have you discovered that? Nothing is safe and secure in the world. We, the United States, we may be one of the safer places, but watch the news. There's nothing safe and secure, even in this country. He says, I want you to go into the wilderness to meet Moses. If you want to have a divine encounter with God, you're probably not going to find it sitting at home in the comfort and convenience of your home. You're probably going to have to step out into where it's a little bit uncomfortable, out into a little bit of risk, into the wilderness. And here's something that I... I don't recall ever having seen. I've read this story multiple times, taught on it I don't know how many times, but I don't think I have ever seen this before. If I had, I forgot it. Moses had to escape Egypt. He broke away. He escaped that prison of bondage and headed all the way to Midian. And now God is saying, your brother is on his way to meet with you. I never considered that Aaron also had to escape. How did he know he should escape? How did he know which way to go? Surely he had some kind of an encounter with God. 
But the Bible leaves that silent. Why doesn't it tell us about what kind of an encounter he had? I expected God to give each of us an encounter with him. I had an encounter in an apartment all by myself, second floor, in a rooming house, when I was in trouble with myself, and God met me there. God doesn't wait for me to get to church. He goes where I am. He goes where you are. Aaron had to escape because Aaron cannot help anybody else escape unless he's escaped. So we have two escapees, Moses and Aaron. Both of them have had, had escaped, and they met together in the wilderness. Only God could have arranged such a divine encounter. Have you ever thought about that? Aaron doesn't. He's, Moses has been gone for 40 years. Aaron doesn't know which way Moses went. He just knows he fled. He doesn't know which way to go, but he escapes, and he's going and meets, God, meets Moses at this very location in the wilderness. That's divine arrangement. God has arranged this. This is amazing. Aaron had never been there before. He's going into unknown territory. Maybe there's some of us in this room I'm talking to, you're at a point in your life where you have never been there before. Uncharted territory for you. As we're stepping into this involvement with Heritage Community Church in Auburn, I have to say to myself, I've never been here before. I don't know what to do next. I'm not sure how we're going to pull this off. I don't know how we're going to redeem something that's dead. I don't know how to do it. But God's going to show us how to do it. We're going to walk through that. Going to go into a wilderness. And because, we don't, because Aaron didn't know which way to go, he had to be led. Because I don't know which way to go, I need to be led. So I need to stay connected to God. Because he's the only one that knows the way. And listen, the wilderness is never home. Home, home is where you can sit down in your lazy boy and kick up your feet and let down your hair and relax. You don't have to worry about problems. The home is a place of relaxation. The wilderness is never your home. The wilderness is only something you pass through. But you have to pass through it. You got to get to the other side. You know how the King James Version translates the wilderness? You can go back and check it out. The backside of the desert. Now, the backside of anything is not the place you want to be. <laughs> it's in the backside of the desert, no man's land where nobody goes. That's where he's at. Here's the second thing I want us to see it's the last half of verse 27. So he met Moses at the mountain of God. So the point is divine appointments occur at a waypoint. A waypoint. A way, you look it up in the dictionary, a waypoint is a point of reference where you always come back to. It's kind of like home row on the keyboard. You know what home row is? Those of you that had any training know home row is that place where your four fingers rest on the keyboard. You don't get up here. You don't get down there. 
stay on home row. Your fingers always come back to home row. When I was in, uh, in Bible school, one of my responsibilities uh, working on the staff at Calvary Temple is uh, as I was training for ministry, they had us go through this stack. It was literally that high, a stack of transcripts from Pastor Pano's messages. And he would, you know, if, if you've ever heard Pastor Pano preach, he just kind of preached off the cuff, kind of, kind of like I do a lot. Had, had notes, knew where he was going, but just kind of preached off the cuff. Didn't, no two messages were the same. I'm saying some different things today as I, than I said in the 930 service. But his job, we, we had this guy named Elmer. Don't know, don't know his last name. But Elmer was a blind man. And he was employed by the church. And he would get a taxi that would take him from the place in Fort Wayne where he lived down to the church. And I think this was a Thursday. Every Thursday he had a job. He would go in, he'd put on a set of headphones, and he would listen to Pastor Pano's recorded messages and sit down at a typewriter. Remember, he's blind. And he would just type. He would type out word for word what the pastor had preached. So there always was a, uh, a what do they call that, a transcription? He would type it out. And our job was to read through what Elmer typed out. And sometimes we would look for the phrase. We, we had to give a, uh, a, a date to it. He had a date when he typed it up. And so we knew it was within a couple of weeks of when he preached that message. And we, we had to listen to it or read through it. And we were looking for hints on, was this a Sunday morning message or a Sunday night message or a Thursday night message? Sunday morning was kind of the general crowd. You know, it was kind of a general message. Sunday night was always evangelistic. Always trying to get people to make a decision for Christ. Thursday night was for the church crowd. The more mature people talk about prophecy or spiritual gifts or something like that on Thursday night. So we had to read through these transcripts to find out which category it fit in. And sometimes you'd find the phrase this morning or this evening, and that was a, a big hint for us. <clears throat> and then we had to kind of look at what, where's this message coming from so we could categorize it. And in reading through those, every now and then, Elmer would get his fingers off home row. <laughs> and there'd be a whole page of typing in tongues. You know, <laughs> couldn't understand anything. He's saying. And we just had to kind of skip all that because nobody's interested in that and we, did, we didn't know what it was. A, a, a home row was a point of reference. It was a point you could always come back there. And I think all of us Christians need to have a, a, a waypoint for our Christian faith. A point to come back to, to home base. A point to, where we can come back and reorganize ourselves Make, make, sure, make sure we're all on the, the same page, a waypoint. And we see in our, our message here, divine appointments occur at a waypoint. The mountain of God where Aaron met Moses, that was the same mountain where Moses met God. That burning bush up at the top, that was a waypoint, that was a point of reference Moses having a conversation with God, he says, God, I, I hear what you're telling me to do, I, and you already know, I don't want to do this. 
but I need some kind of a sign. Give me a sign that this is what you want me to do. And God says, okay, here's the sign. When you go and do what I told you to do and free the people and bring them back, you're going to meet me on this mountain and we're all going to, you're all going to worship me here. That's the sign. I'll give you a sign. You got to do it first, then I'll give you the sign. We're all wanting the sign first, right? Give me the sign first and then I'll go do it. But God says, you do what I tell you and then you'll see the sign, the miracle. That's how it's supposed to work. So each of us need to have a waypoint, a reference point, a place to come back to. Jesus called it a prayer closet, a place where you come back and you connect with God and commune with him. We need to have a waypoint, a point where you know God's always there. It always is a point where you can reconnect with him. Here's the third lesson we learned. And by the way, if, if you're taking notes, there's W words in this. Each, each point has a W. Number three, Moses shared the whole story with Aaron. Verse 28 says, Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say, and also about all the signs he had commanded him to perform. This is his testimony. Your testimony is, this is what I saw, this is what I experienced, this is what God did in my life. That's your testimony. If you ever called it a, it a witness in a courtroom, they don't want your opinion. They want to know, what did you see? What did you hear? That's your testimony. We all have a, we should have a testimony. If you don't, if you don't have a testimony of what God has done in your life, you need to grab a hold of God and have an encounter. He wants to do something in your life. Let's go to the third. Uh, well, I'm already on the third lesson. Oh, yeah, here I am. Here's what I want to say. I had a uh, good example. I had a, I had a dream a couple months ago. I think it was about two months ago. It was probably from watching too much news. Um, and my own, my own life. But in my, in, in my dream, a tornado just came through Waterloo. That was about the time they had those tornadoes down in Kentucky. And so in my dream, this tornado picked my house up and carried it way up north and set it down on a frozen Hamilton Lake. I think it was Hamilton Lake. It was, it was a lake about the size of Hamilton Lake. And I was out on the ice where my house was, standing next to it. And I could hear the ice cracking. The weight of that house is just about to take it down through. I only have a couple minutes, and I've got to get something out of my house. I have so, much, so many things that are valuable to me in that house. I've got to run in there, and I've got time maybe for one trip in, and that's it. So where am I going to go? Am, am I, what's most valuable to me? Is, is it is it some of that family history memorabilia I've collected, like that 1818 Bible that my great-great-grandma carried at her own wedding? Maybe that's what I ought to salvage. I need to head for that closet where I've got that stored. Or no, maybe I need to go because i got some valuable stuff in that safe. Oh, no, I just told you where I keep my safe. <laughs> and we can edit that out. I can't carry the safe, so I'd have to get in it, pull something out. 
I have some valuable things, things that are really valuable to me at my house. Anybody have something really valuable to you at your house? And the problem, the problem with me in my dream is I was standing next to my house and I couldn't go in because I wasn't sure what my target was. I couldn't decide in my mind what was the most important thing in my life. I couldn't decide. So I stood there. I don't know how, I don't remember the ending of the dream, so I can't tell you what happened. But I tell you that story, and most likely when I tell you that story, that thought comes to your mind. What is the most valuable thing I have in my house? You see, this is how spiritual gifts work. Somebody tells you what they've seen, their experience, what they've learned, and it plants a seed in your mind, and you then are hearing from God as well. So when you share your story, when you share your testimony, you are planting seeds in somebody else's mind. So I wanted to share that with you because that probably works for you too. When God shows you something, don't keep your mouth shut. Look for somebody to tell that story because that's how God speaks through you to somebody else. It's a word of God and you don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. You're just speaking that truth. Let's go to the fourth thing I want us to see. And that is that they worked together. In verse 29 it says, Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites. You see, they were a partnership. Moses had heard from God. He had a vision. He knew what needed to happen. Aaron is just hearing it secondhand. But Moses has been gone for 40 years. He doesn't have a relationship with those people back in Egypt, the Israelites. Aaron does. He just recently left. So here we have a partnership. We need partnerships in the body of Christ. There are certain people that can open up doors that we can't open. We need to work with those people. There's other people that have a vision on what needs to happen, and we're not sure how to do that. We need to partner together. They worked together. And the Bible is all about partnerships. Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, Peter and John, on and on it talks about partnerships. I think the Church of Jesus Christ, and New Hope's a good example of that, all all of the churches we would be far much more effective if we joined up in partnerships, if we had partnerships with one another, if we found, if we could create teams that had a a common shared vision. You see, Moses had to play a difficult position here. I'm, I'm sorry, Aaron had to play a difficult position with Moses. An orchestra conductor once said, The most difficult instrument in the orchestra to play is second fiddle. And Aaron has to play second fiddle. Moses hears from God. He tells Aaron what God said. Then Aaron goes and tells the people what Moses heard God say. I'm sure Aaron would much rather say, I met with God and this is what the Lord told me to tell you. But he can't do that because God doesn't give messages to Aaron. He gives them to Moses. And Aaron is Moses' prophet. He hears the word from Moses and delivers it to the people. He's the go-between person. That's what a prophet is. 
So Aaron serves as Moses' prophet. They worked together. And God uses first fiddles, but he also uses second fiddles. But second, second fiddle people have to have some humility. Not many people full of pride can play second fiddle. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. amen. All right, let's go to number five, the fifth thing. Aaron spoke the words of Moses. First part of verse 30 says, And Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. Aaron, or Moses told Aaron what he experienced from God. Aaron tells all the people. So there's this teamwork, this flow that's going on. Aaron is almost like a translator. He hears it, puts it in his own words, communicates it to the people that are, that are listening. When you play second fiddle, you are actually proclaiming the words of somebody else. You see this? The pressure of being accurate, being perfect with your words, the pressure's off you. It's on the other person. They're the ones who are going to be judged on the accuracy, the truth of what's being spoken. You're just speaking on behalf of someone else. Let's go to number six. Here's the sixth thing. Moses and Aaron performed the wonders of God. The wonders of God. The last half of verse 30 says, he, he, this is talking about Aaron, he also performed the signs before the people and they believed. You see, the people have to believe or they'll just stay in their bondage. Something has to inspire people to believe. What is it that inspires people to believe? That's the question that we're trying to draw out of this story here. You see, when Moses has his, has had his encounter with God at the burning bush, he said, people are going to argue. People are going to say, who is this God? What am I going to tell them? How can I show them? How can I get them to believe? And he said, take your hand and put it into your garment. Moses did. He said, now pull it out. He pulled it out. His hand is all leprous. He's got leprosy in his hand. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? God says, put it back in. So he put it back in his garment, pulled it out, and it's all clean. It's healed. God has healed that leprosy. When they doubt, show them that sign. That miracle is going to convince them. He says, what's that in your hand? Well, it's, it's my shepherd's staff. He says, throw it down. So he put it down on the ground, and immediately it came alive and began writhing like a serpent. Wow. That's obviously a miracle. And then God says, now pick up that thing by the tail. Not me, man. I'm not grabbing a hold of that thing. I'm heading the other way. Moses reaches down, grabs a hold of it, and immediately it stiffens up, turns back into a rod. He said, when the people doubt, just show them that. God gave him a dry run. He gave him a practice. He knows now what can happen. And he says, when you get before Pharaoh and he doubts you, doesn't want to follow, just show him these signs. So when Aaron and Moses pull the elders together, the, 
the leaders of Israel together, they do the same thing. Moses puts his hand in there, pulls it out, it's leprous. He's not scared anymore. He knows what's going to happen. Puts it back in again, pulls it back out, it's clean. This time he throws his staff down and when it turns into a serpent, he's not afraid to grab a hold of it. He's already practiced it. He's worked through that beforehand. Now, the, if you paid attention, it says he, Aaron, performed the signs before in the people and they believed. I don't believe it was Aaron that did those works. I think it was Moses that did it. God told Moses to do those things. He ran a dry run with Moses. But Aaron was his spokesperson. And you see, when you work as a team, you blend as one. And was it, was it Moses who actually did it, or was it Aaron who actually did it? I think it's a moot issue. They did it together. Moses was narrating. Moses was telling the or Aaron was narrating, telling the story. So as far as the people were concerned, it was Aaron that did it. Because he was telling the story. You see, teamwork merges and merges two personalities into one entity. We're working together as a team. It's like a basketball team that practices and works together. Is it one player out there that makes all the point? Or is it one team that works together? It should be the team working together. And it says, if you remember there in verse 30, and they believed. The people believed. Wow. People need a reason to believe. Give them a miracle, they'll believe. Got to give them some kind of a sign. Got to give them something to see. If God really does interact with people's lives, you would think that there would be people talking about it. Right? Which brings us to the seventh point, number seven. People worship when they know God cares. Verse 31 says, And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. People worship when they know God cares. How are people in this world going to know God cares? if people aren't talking about how God cares about them. This is important. There are religions, major religions all over the world, millions of people praying to God, sacrificing toward God so that he won't be mad at them, so that there won't be locusts, so that there won't be floods, so that there won't be disasters. They're trying to appease an angry God. Here's the good news, and this is what moves people to worship. It's when they realize God cares about them. He sees our misery. He sees our dysfunction. He sees our broken marriages. He sees our messed up finances. He sees these negative things about us and still loves us. He wants to redeem us. He wants to renew us. He cares about us. And I know you know this. That's why you come to church this morning. But did you know there's many more outside of these walls this morning that don't know God cares about them? All around us, from the north, the south, the east, and the west, all around us are people who think God is ignorant of us, doesn't care about us at all. 
Somebody's got to give them the good news. They won't come to church. So who's going to take the good news to them? It's got to be us. We've got to work in some partnership like Aaron and Moses did together. Because God is not mad at you anymore. God is not ignoring you. Somebody's got to know that. And the only way they're going to know it is if we begin talking about how God relates to us. How God gave us a dream and taught us something. How God impresses on us something. How somebody else, you, you, maybe God's not doing a miracle in your life, but somebody else you know told a story about how God did a, a breakthrough in their life. This is what Encounter Night's all about. People sharing their story. People sharing their testimony. So that we can go tell someone else. Because the world doesn't know that God cares about them. And what you and I are to do is to bring people to worship God by knowing that He cares. That He cares. And He's concerned. And God has seen our condition. So, how are we, you and I, us, how are we going to convince that world out there? How are we going to convince them that God is real, that God really does care? We're going to have to form some partnerships. We're going to have to not just sit back and wait for Pastor Deal to do it. We all have to work together on this. Because there's a whole lot of people you know and that trust you. They don't trust me. But they trust you. So somebody's got to take that truth and pass it on. Be in some teamwork. Be in some partnership. Be an Aaron, someone who comes alongside, plays second fiddle, becomes the messenger of the truth. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing one last song. And as we do, I want to encourage you to take a step toward God to be an Aaron. If I said any, anybody wants to be a leader in the church, come to the altar, I probably wouldn't have any takers. <laughs> but who's willing to be an Aaron? Who's willing to play that second fiddle, to come alongside someone else, to help them become effective in what God's called them to do? And I'm not talking about positions. I'm not talking about gifting. I'm talking about the general attitude is I will be a servant God, if you want me to do something, I'll step up and I'll do it. I'll be a helper. I'll be an Aaron. You see, quite frankly, a lot of you don't know me. But down in my heart of hearts, I don't want to be a Moses. I know for this church, I'm the Moses, but I don't want to be that role. I want to be an Aaron. I want somebody else to tell me what to do, and I'll be glad to do it. That's the way I'm wired. I want to, be, I want to play second fiddle. I want to be in that position, but I have to do what God's called me to do. So right now, I'm acting as the Moses, and we're going to sing this last song. And if you're willing to step up and be an Aaron to somebody, second, a supporter to someone else, I want to pray for you. And here's what we're going to do. While we're singing this song, if that's you, if you want to do that, if you want to step up and be an Aaron... I want to lay hands on you. That's how spiritual gifts are transferred. I want to lay hands on you that my Aaron spirit, my supportive spirit will transfer to you. 
And I want to pray for multiple people here today. And we're not going to pray real long. I just want to pray that my spirit, that spirit of being a servant, gets transferred into you. So if you want to do that while we're singing, I'm going to be right down here waiting, patiently waiting. And if you want it, just come to this altar, and I'm going to go, go down the line. I'm going to pray for people to receive that gift of being an Aaron.